eaten together. And I, I love being with them when they were little and even now. Not that I didn't want my breaks, don't get me wrong. Um, the top three things, that, and these are just, I think, kind of general parentheses type things, is just to pray for your children. Pray for your kids. Pray for your husband. Pray for your um, friends. Pray for your friends' kids. Pray for your kids' moms. I mean, just pray, 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 pray. And I love these books. These are the ones I've used. Um, the, the Power of a Praying Wife and The Power of a Praying Parent, which I just love, and I use them all the time, and I think they're great. Now I have a new one, which I love, 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 and it's praying for your teenager, and it's different issues. And I just think, you know, I was thinking this morning, I was concerned about my son in college, and I was thinking, I'm so glad I can pray for him. You know, I can't imagine if you didn't have that hope in God, hope in Jesus Christ, to be able to be connected with him through my prayers, and I'm so thankful for that. So I have two door prizes. Are we ready for that? Okay. And I have the power of a praying wife and the power of a praying parent to give away. So, drum roll. Uh, first one goes, thank you, Jessica Tiger. Okay. Power of a praying wife. Okay. And then the power of a praying parent goes to, drum roll, please. Okay. Whitney Eoff. E- and I'm going to let you come get it. <laughs> It's a, they're great. I love those books, and I use them, use them, use them. And I love because they're scripture-inspired. So it's not just like praying that, you know, my child will be perfect or praying that we win an award. It's, it's scripture-based, and I love that. So praying for your children, one of the top three things that, that I want you to walk away with. And that is not, you know, that's not that tall of an order. You can pray, Lord, help me, or it can be a long, drawn-out prayer, but you can be doing that all day long. And then I think this, this could be possibly one of the most important things, and that is that attitude is everything. You know, we really can't control our circumstances all that much. Um, we can't change them. And, again, that goes back to, to uh, prayer because you sometimes have a hard time even getting the right attitude. But in this, at this stage of life, you don't really get to control all that much. You don't necessarily control when they sleep. And, yes, you can put them on a schedule, and you don't necessarily get to control a lot of things that are coming at you. But that's the one thing that you can learn to control through the Holy Spirit, and that is your attitude. So that when this, when this, you know, something spills on the ground or something doesn't go exactly right or the microphone, you know, you mess it up, you know, the attitude is going to be the more important thing than the actual circumstance that happens. And um, we can't control the circumstance, but we can control our attitude. And then just to prioritize, because I think sometimes we think there's so many things that are important, and when we really step back and look at it, you know, choose wisely. Choose wisely your commitments. Um, I, I think margin in your day is one of the most important things that I have learned, to have margin in my day. When I don't have margin in my day, how can I pray for the Lord to bring somebody across my path? I don't have time for that. If I, already, if I have something committed from, you know, 9 to 12 and 12 to... How am I, I going to pray that I can help somebody out? Because really, it'd be like, I'd love to hear about your problem, but I've got to go. So, really, you just be very purposeful in what you say yes to. Be purposeful in what you commit to. And, and line up margin in your day. You can't be that servant of Christ if you are completely booked all the time. You can't cook a meal. You can't write a note. You can't pick up the phone. You're just going from thing to thing to thing. And you really are not being able to serve the Lord probably to your fullest if you don't have margin. There is my um, attitude is everything slide. And um, that's my oldest who's now in college. He doesn't do this anymore. But, you know, that, that could be reacted two different ways. That could be, oh, what have you gotten into? Or it could be, let me grab the camera. This is really funny and help me clean it up. <laughs> um, one of the things that 
Uh, wait, no, we're not there yet. Uh, Mike, I want to tell you about my three greatest mistakes that I would say. And that is, first of all, having anxiety over their safety, which I still do <laughs> and still have even this morning. And um, just to, but again, goes back to that prayer. I'm so thankful that I can pray for my children when I, when I get concerned about their um, safety and protection. And um, another thing is not getting wrapped up in the frenzy. And the frenzy is when you're with that group of moms and um, uh, they, and you start hearing everybody talk about they're all going to Jamboree and you're, you're not and you're not signed up and you don't think, and, you know, you start to get that, I'm not doing this or, oh, my gosh, everybody else is sitting up and I'm there too, they're rolling over and mine is not or, it, you know, maybe the soccer team or when they get bigger or it may be the homecoming group when they're really big. And so... Um, just just not getting wrapped up in the frenzy. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And then the third one is just, and this is such a struggle for me, is caring too much about what others think. And so when my child's acting badly, I'm not worried about their heart and their character. I'm worried that you all think I'm a bad mom. And so worrying about what other people think can be deadly because you, you if you parent towards that, you're not necessarily parenting toward what is best for your child. Um, I think it's important to begin with the end in mind, and that is like, we, what, do we want, what do we want our kids to turn out? Do we want them to love the Lord? Yes. Do we want them to be a servant of Christ? Do we want them to be joyful and thankful? You know, what are the qualities that we want? And those are the things that we need to be focused on instilling in them now. Do we want them to, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many ways that we can get distracted on this or go down rabbit trails, but if we really think about what are the qualities that we want them to have, and we work on modeling those and saying no to the things that don't fit in those categories, then I think we can be much more purposeful. Uh, Matthew 6.19 says, But do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I think that's really important just to um, remember, you know, focused, focused and narrowed down to a few things that are really important that you want your kids um, to, to wind up like. This reminds me of a story with Carter. When he was little, we were getting a gravel driveway put in. We had a large lot. And the gravel man came up, and um, he said, he was four then. He probably had on some sort of a costume. And he said, do you think that the gravel man knows Jesus? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, do you think we should ask him? And I, was, I mean, I just hemmed and hawed around, and we didn't talk to him about Christ. And I promise you, that's one of my big, giant parenting errors. And I just, I look back with such regret. I mean, that was 15 years ago, and I still think about that moment. That was a, such a lost moment, and I just so regret it. And so um, just to, you know, if I would have been a little bit more focused and a little bit not so worried about what other people think, then we would have shared Christ with a man that I never saw again anyway. <laughs> um, but we're, you know, we're worried about this kind of thing. Okay, there is, he loves weapons. And this is, uh, he loves them still, except he does, thankfully he doesn't use them on people. But when he was four, he loved, we had one of my funny stories with him. We're going to talk about knowing your child, but he loved, he loved weapons. He loves guns and swords. And we'll probably talk about this in a little bit. But, um, you know, I said I would never play with guns or have those. But he started making his crackers into guns and his pizza crust into guns and swords and all kinds of things. But anyway, that is, that's him, and um, that's what happened. I blinked, and he went from this to this. And now he's a sophomore at Baylor, and I couldn't be more proud of him, but um, to embrace those years because, you know, people say, I think the days are long, but the season is short. And so when you, you know, I know there's times when I thought that little guy with the sword would drive me crazy, but just somehow to gain that perspective 
have that attitude, those things that we're talking about, to be joyful because it happens. That, that's your job is to grow them up and have them leave. You know, and, and sometimes we think this is never going to end. I can't get through the day. And I, and I felt like that too. But then you blink and that's what happens. Uh, that's little Ty who is now in ninth grade. And my daughter, Addie, she was a ballerina in her little outfit just a few weeks ago, I believe. And now, what? Well, look what happened. So, <clears throat> begin with the end in mind. Another thing that I would want to encourage you is not to major on the minor. You know, really, I think we, I think we do that so much. The lost shoe or the, um, the burnt dinner or the perfect house or the spill or the stain on the clothes when you wanted to wear them for a picture or all those things. I mean, I've been there. I know those things. But I think not majoring on the minor will send a great message to your children about what's really important and um, just the many times I think we worry about what others think about us. So when we're majoring on the minor, a lot of times it has to do with we're worried about what somebody else thinks. Um, another one is that just perspective. And, I, and we've talked about this just a little bit, but I just think it's so important to um, look at the big picture, look at they're going to grow up, um, snap, pic, snap pictures when you can, say yes when you can. My sister-in-law told me this, and and I, first I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. Because, but just to say yes when you can. Can we have ice cream? Yes, after dinner. Can we, um, can we go to the park? Yes, after your nap. Instead of saying no, 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 to no, no to everything, yes, you have to say no to the light socket and things like that. There's enough things you have to say no to that sometimes you can say yes when this happens or when this occurs. Or yes, we can watch the movie after your nap or whatever. And um, so I think just to turn it around to a positive. Another thing, perspective, is I had a friend that would... She just thought she did, her daughter wanted to wear her princess costume to the grocery store. She was just like, you know, that's not appropriate. I was like, you know, really, when they're 10 or 12 or certainly by the time they're 18, they're not going to want to do that. What's the big deal? What's the perspective there? What does it really matter? Yes, they cannot wear the princess costume to someone's wedding or to you know, certain inappropriate places. But on the other hand, you know, it's kind of cute. But that might have been one of those things that has changed with me. So the next door prize is a costume with a boa. And the boa is going to drive you crazy. You're probably going to hide it here in a few days because it will shed. But, again, remember that it's not about having the perfect house. Okay, so drum roll. If you don't have a girl, then um, I've got a boy prize as well. The boy prize is the shield and the thing. So uh, first person gets to pick, and then we'll draw another one. Drum roll, please. Okay. Melissa Hall. Do you have a boy or girl? Okay. Here's your boy gift, and let him wear it to the store <laughs> if he wants to. All right, and another drum roll for the girly bell costume and boa. Stacy Hunt. Is she here? What? Oh, maybe. It says Hunt. Do you have a girl? Okay, all right. All right, um, and we have Nicole Mosley. Okay, perfect. All right, let her wear to the store. Okay, I hope it fits. All right, so there's my little darling who might have worn that to the grocery store. Okay, um, gain perspective. We talked about that. Now, picture, say yes when you can. Uh, there's another, and there's that's the cutest little darling. Um, Okay, another thing to consider is, is this, a biblical, is this a biblical issue or is this a personal preference? And you may have heard this from other 
people, but the verse that I like to go to is Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the Bible is clear on many things, very clear on a lot of, a lot of issues, but there are some things that are not biblical issues. And so it shouldn't be a biblical issue to you either. And that might have to do with baby schedules. Um, how long, if ever, to use a pacifier? Carter, who was in that nice little graduation outfit, did use a passy till he was pretty old, and he turned out just fine. Um, schooling choices. You know, that is, a, that is a personal preference. It's not a biblical issue. So you can, you know, share your opinions in love, but it's just, you know, just, there's some things that you, it's, you cannot be so cut and dry or black and white on. Organic food is another one that I've been made to feel bad about. You know, don't do that to each other. I can almost guarantee when you become self-righteous about some issue, whatever it is, you'll be the next person to struggle with it. So watch out. Another thing to consider is that not every family looks alike. Okay, so if you're able to have a family dinner, that is great. If you're able to have family trips or whatever that looks like, don't be judgmental to other people that that is not, that is not what they're able to do. And so everybody looks, looks different, it's, and there's personal preference involved. It's not a biblical issue. Where there is a biblical issue, we stand firm. But like Todd says, where it's not, show some grace and um, show love towards each other and not be, not be judgmental. Um, that's another, another great, I think another great point is not to compare. This is a tough one, and it's one that I've really struggled with, um, especially as far as my house. And, um, but if you compare, you will rarely compare yourself with somebody who has less. You're going to compare yourself with the person who has the big, giant, perfectly decorated house. And then how are you going to come away? You're going to come away feeling badly about yourself. And um, I think Philippians 4.12 is a great one. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I think it is a secret. It's a secret how to learn to be content. But that's a gift you can give your husband as well. And comparison is the thief of joy. It will, it will rob you every single time you try to compare. Because rarely are you going to find somebody to compare yourself with. You're not going to compare your home with an African hut. You're going to compare your home with somebody who has a better, bigger, nicer, more well-decorated home. So, so I really believe comparison is the thief of joy. It can make you um, just not be the person that God would want you to be. Another verse that I love is, 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Can you think of a better gift you can give your husband than to become, be, the, be the godly woman that he would want you to be and to be content with what he's given you? And I think that, that is, um, that's something really to work on and to pray about and to release yourself to and find your security and your um, self-esteem and your comfort in him and not in yourself. And again, that goes back to you're worried about people, what people are thinking about you. And so just being able to be that child of God and, and relish in it and not be worried about what the world says. Um, there is a season for everything. And I love that uh, verse from Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. And that 
right there so, so important. But I think there is a season for all. You can't do it all at once. You may be able to see that on the TV where she works and she takes care of the kids and everything's perfect and she fixes homemade meals and the house is great and she's a great, you know, friend and sister and mother and, um, and a neighbor, but you can't do it all at once. So just embrace the season you're in. It's a great season. It's a fun season. These little guys are funny little people. And if you can just lighten up and enjoy them, you'll have a much better time and, uh, than, rather than trying to jump ahead. I remember a story when um, my first grader, Carter, was, um, he was at school and they had chapel on Friday morning. And I was so dying, I just heard all these moms, the frenzy, you know, all these moms are going to chapel. So I thought, I'm going to go. You know, how quiet can it be? It's a school, right? Well, I bring my two-year-old. Bad idea. Okay, it was silent. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. They must have left people left their children with their nannies, but I didn't have a nanny. So I bring my two-year-old, and he's just doing two-year-old, you know, just talking or whatever. So I and I'm pregnant with my. <laughs> so I go out in the lobby and I start crying because I'm like my first grader's in there by himself, and I. I, I mean, I, it wasn't the season to be trying to do things that weren't in my season. You know, if I really wanted to go to chapel that badly, then I should have gotten a babysitter or I should have you know, done something differently, but I was trying to be in two seasons at one time. And so I just embrace the season you're in. If you're in the preschool season, that means you're not in the season to be the head of some charity ball. It means you're not in the season to uh, be in charge of something great and grand. I had committed to be in charge of a um, convention for nurses, school nurses, 600 people. And, And I and I, then I got pregnant. I mean, they, like you commit like two years out. And then I got pregnant. And what I should have said was, gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't do this anymore. But in my pride and worried about what people were thinking, I said, no, no, I can still do this. And I did. But it was, it was, it was harmful to my family. It was, it was very difficult on me. And I had my husband was watching him in the room. And I, I mean, it was just, you know, it, I did it. I did it well. But it wasn't what was best for my family. So there's a season for everything. And just to embrace the season you're in and enjoy it and get down on the floor and play with those Legos and clean up the spilled milk, but not be trying to think that I need to be at the bell of the ball at something else. There will be a time. Maybe you can be the bell of the ball, but maybe not when they're a little bitty. Um, okay, so as we kind of, I kind of have it divided up now into three different sections, spiritual and then your life, what it looks like with marriage and with your children. So spiritually or personally, um, I would start with the spiritual part of your life, and that is, again, um, just just about you, and you know, I think sometimes we hear speakers or we hear um, uh, we read in books about these people that have these long, long, long quiet times and you know, memorize long chapters of scripture. And you know, you you may not be in that season for that right now. Your quiet time may look like, Lord, help me get up out of bed, <laughs> and um, and maybe you listen to you know scripture memory with children singing it with your kids in the car, and maybe you have a praise and praise worship song on when you vacuum, and um, maybe you have written down a scripture that you have that you look at for a moment at that red light. And so, again, not, it doesn't have to look like someone else's, and it doesn't have to look the same in every season. And so, um, don't, put, you know, don't put that on yourself. If you can get up and have a nice, quiet, quiet time before your kids get up and not fall asleep at 5.30 in the afternoon, then that's great. But don't put that on yourself, because there's ways to worship the Lord and commune with Him all day long without having to have 60 minutes all at one time. And so I think it's more about being with him all day long and communing with him and talking with him and recognizing him and in the little things. And um, I think Bible studies are great, and I did them in every shape and fashion and form that there is. But I just want you to um, 
realize that the season you're in, it may look different than it does in different seasons. Maybe it's, maybe it's praying with the Lord when you're rocking that baby in the middle of the night. And that's okay. Putting him first doesn't have to mean that um, you are locking your kids in a closet while you have a quiet time. I would not recommend that. But, I, but being in the Word, and there's ways to be in the Word with music. There's ways to be in the Word with Scripture on a car. There's ways to be in music with a short devotional. And maybe that's four or five times during the day so that your mind is, is constantly brought back to the Lord. Um, but I love, love, love Psalm 1. And I think my four-year-old learned it at school. And it was just so precious to hear this coming out of a little tiny voice. But blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. And I just remember her going, on this law, he meditates. And I just, I think that's so great. It's, uh, it's about all day and every day. And um, it's just about being in his word. And now I can memorize chapters of scripture because I have that kind of, you know, bulk time with the Lord. Not every day and not all the time, but, but I didn't when they were little. And I would have maybe tried to go crazy if I thought that I could do more than I could. But it's about being, being in constant communication with the Lord. Okay, physically, you want to take care of yourself. And we need to remember that 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And I think about not only do we want to feed ourselves healthy and to be active, and maybe that means exercise regimen for an hour a day for some people, and maybe that means taking a walk with the stroller for at another time or another season or a different person. It doesn't have to look the same, but just to be up and active and healthy will give you perspective on life, and it will be good for your husband. And also just, I think, getting enough sleep. I mean, I know that is hard sometimes. But sleep gives you perspective. And I know that the times when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm worried about something in the morning, it just doesn't seem that bad. And so I think sleeping, and I'm a big, big, big believer in naps or power naps, not necessarily like a three-hour nap where you're drooling. But, but just, you know, if you need rest, lay down when your kids lay down. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better mother. Don't deprive yourself of that sleep. If somebody's sick and they're getting up every hour, you need to get some rest during the day. And so that means you can't have commitments all day long either, or you will not be able to do that. So I just think that being active, eating wisely, and sleeping, those are really, really important. To be in the best mom you can be. It's not even about yourself or about um, being selfish, but I think you'll be better at being you if you have the rest and the, and the right foods and things like that. Um, okay. Okay, we're going to move. Well, you know what, there's a couple things that I want to cover also service and i think it's really important for you to know your spiritual gift okay and gifts and so i have been where i you know committed to something where i was in charge of something that completely overwhelmed me or i have been committed to being in charge of whenever i'm in charge of food that's just a bad thing (laughs) unless i can pick it up so but i've learned that i love serving in a way where i can uh encourage people or write notes or do table decorations, or I can, I, I'm good at administration where I can be in charge of organizing things, but again, at the right season. But just to, to know your spiritual gift and not be serving in a way that where you're thinking, oh, only three more, oh, only two more. Where you're, if you're counting down whatever service area, it's probably, it's probably not your best service area. Um, and also, just when people ask you for service, I would encourage you to always wait. Don't 
don't jump in immediately. Pray about it. Talk to your husband about it. Figure out how it will impact your family. And then decide if it's within your giftedness, then jump in there. But I think sometimes we overcommit thinking that somehow we're going to get some self-esteem out of it. And really it's not about that. It's about serving others. And service at this stage of life might look differently. Maybe it is. You know, somebody's running this and y'all are doing a beautiful job. But sometimes it may just be about sending, uh, bringing somebody a meal, writing them a note, ca- calling them, um, keeping other people's kids. I mean, that is service. You know that when somebody helps you out, what a blessing that is. And so um, your children also will mimic what you do. And then later on in life, then maybe you have a commitment where you work at a food bank once a week or you work in prison ministry or whatever. But right now, ministry may not have a title. I can remember when uh, Hurricane Katrina came through. And I had friends, they were going down to work at the reunion. I so wanted to do it, but I had my dad. My dad lived with us for 13 years in a guest house, and he, needed, he had to go to the doctor. He, he had a doctor's appointment I was taking him to. And I remember thinking, oh, I just want to go help those people from New Orleans. And then I realized, you know, my service right then, it didn't have a title, but it was taking my dad to the doctor. And so I think sometimes we, we downplay jobs that don't have a, a chairman attached to it or something, you know? or something that, um, that sounds important. But that, that's what I needed to be doing. Or maybe it's helping take care of your, kids, your friends' children, or something along those lines that doesn't necessarily sound glamorous or you know, totally worthy, but it really is. And, that's, and I think that just being able to recognize those opportunities of serving and loving others and demonstrating that for our children. Another thing that I'm a big believer in is hobbies. And I know that I really had a hard time scripturally coming up with how this fits in, but I did talk to a couple of people who said that, you know, back when they built the temple, people brought their, their handmade gifts and whatnot, and, and not everybody wants a hobby or has, I know you don't have, no one has time for a hobby, but I think if you have a creative bent, then it, you're probably, um, and I say this just from experience, because if you have a creative bent, you probably need to have some sort of tiny creative outlet, and whether it just means setting the table at dinner or coming up with a creative meal or something, but um, it, and it may have some. It may be making a birthday cake for your child that looks like a train or whatever, you know. Um, but just to, if if you have that creative bent, I know that I was probably the most frustrated as a preschool mom when I when I didn't have anything that I could do that was anything creative. And maybe it's finger painting with them. But I think that if you're creative, there it's nice to have something that you enjoy that you individually can um, feel accomplished. If, you know, I'm not saying that you need to go out and, you know, become a digital photographer and have a black room, a dark room, whatever it's called. But, you know, maybe a wreath on your door. Maybe, like the things I've said, but just if you have that creative bent, I think it's good to listen to it. I also think it's very, very important, and this is huge, is to have friends at your same stage. And that, that's great that you're here right now because your husband will not understand that when you cleaned up three kids that vomited and, you know, uh, you missed, you know, all those things that happen, and you're out of milk and they're sick, or you, he won't really get it. And so you need to have friends that are in the same stage of life that can, you can just, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, man, I get it. I've been there. Let's pray together um, because, he, you know, he's got different sets of struggles, but they're not the same as yours. So they will, they will understand when you have a hard day much more. So I think having friends in your same stage is really, really important. Okay. Marriage. This is my husband, Ronnie, and we've been married 25 years. And this is so easy, especially when they're little, for me to be thinking, move over, I've got to take care of these kids. But, but you know what? If you really look at the big picture, that perspective thing again, um, he's 
hopefully we're going to be married 50, 60 years. We got married young. Um, and my kids are going to be with me 18-ish each. So I, I don't need to be neglecting that man <laughs> because he's going to be with me a lot longer than they are. And I, he's not nearly as demanding. He rarely cries for attention. And, um, you know, he doesn't throw tantrums either. So, but, so I know the urgency of the little ones, but the importance of your, working on your marriage. And, um, you know, that saying um, about what, doing what's really important and not just focusing on the urgent. And that's especially hard when they are preschoolers, but I do think it's important. And I know you've probably heard this before, but it's really important for you to find out what is important to them. Because I have a husband who wants, um, he wants everybody to be happy when he gets home. I mean, I could have no dinner and the house could be messy, but if everyone is happy and playing and not bickering and things like that, then he's good. And so, but I know other people that they're, it's important to them that the husband, like there is a meal on or that the room is picked up or that you look good, which is important. <clears throat> but just that you need to find out what's important to him and then do it. And, not, and he, you know, he can't list all of it, but just ask him. Ask him what, you know, when you come home, what's the one, if I have, you know, 10 minutes to prepare something, when you, what would be the most important thing to you? Um, and I think it's also very important how you greet them when they come in the door. And sometimes it's hard. You are engaged in something or doing something, but that can set the tone for the whole night. If you, if they, when they come in, you gr- warmly greet them, get up from what you're doing, you put on, you know, you brush your hair, brush your teeth, put on some lipstick, you're not wearing sweats. You know, I mean, think of the women he's looking at all day long. And then, then, and then think about how you might want to look when he walks in the door. Because that's hard. I mean, but it's true. There are, you know, I mean, and, and you're not competing with them. You're already married. But on the other hand, it's, it, it just is a way to honor him, to, to not look like an old hag when he walks in the door. Um, and so find out what's important to him. Greet him well, like he's important. And when you have little kids, like, Dad is home. This is huge. This is huge. We're so happy he's home. And they will catch the beaver, and, and they'll think that too. And um, I heard somebody say that it's a, probably a good idea if you know they're coming Turn off the TV because if Dora is on, how does Dora compete with your husband? Um, and so, you, you know, if you want them to hop up and greet him, then that's probably something to be thinking about. And, you know, some people have signals like text me, on your, text me when you're leaving so I have the heads up to pick up the Legos for the 70th, 70th time today or whatever. But just, you know, honoring him is so important. You know, we, we lose sight of the marriage, especially during the preschool years. Um, respect him. You know, the, the Bible talks about that. It's the most important thing that they need. It talks about um, wh- uh, that we need to submit, but that, that we also need to respect them, and then they, it tells the, them to love us. And it's interesting that they're different. <clears throat> the Ephesians 5 talks about, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. And so, I know for some people that's like a bad word, submit. But to me, it's like a relief word, and it wasn't always that case because I'm, you know, the same person that planned that convention for 600 was very much able and to lead, you know, a pact or a family or whatever. But that's not the biblical way to do it. And so to submit to him, now I see it as a gift. It is a gift that God has given us to submit. And, you know, you'll notice it didn't say submit when he's doing a good job or submit when you like what he's saying. It just says submit. And so sometimes that means releasing your will, knowing that you serve a bigger God 
that is bigger than your husband and your circumstance and, and releasing your will and surrendering. And, um, you know, sometimes it can be hard, sometimes it's not as hard. But generally, you have to, you have to get, let him lead and, and, and submit to him. And I think I'd also said date him, and that's really important. I know, probably heard this before, but, you know, when they get to a certain age and you can't have a conversation because they are conversing with you every moment, then um, the children are, that is, you'd probably need to start having a date night. And how often that can be, if, you, if it's not a babysitter coming to your home or a, or a parent helping out, then maybe it's trading with another friend. But I think it's really important to get away together by yourselves and just remember, you know, how you fell in love and why you fell in love with each other. So I think um, dating him is really important. Another thing that I think is really important is not to nag. And, uh, you know, say I've got a list literally like five things right now that need to be fixed. And I gave him the list, I'm thinking, four weeks ago. So I'm using my patience here. But I think writing things down is better than me reminding him every single day. Um, and so just not nagging him about, about what it is that you think he needs to be doing or fixing or performing or whatever. Um, and also, you know, using, using it wisely. When he walks in the door is not the time to tell him the three things are broken. Right? Not right that moment. I mean, yes, he will need to know that. But just be careful when, he, when that entrance home, that transition time is so important. So not to be um, coming down with a list of all the bad things that happened to you while he was gone. And the other thing is not to, to talk to him, um, not to be telling him about every good speaker and every good book you read. You need to be, you know, honey, you need to have a date night with me. And you need to read scripture to our family every night. And you need to uh, be in a community group with only men. And we need to be in a community group together. And you need to be in a Bible study. And you need to be with every child by themselves just for some sort of a day. I mean, how, I mean, how overwhelming is that? But, I mean, you know, you know that's true. You hear a speaker, y'all need to have a date night. Y'all, your husband needs to be in a men's Bible study. My goodness gracious. So just pray that the Lord would bring to him the things that he's calling him to right now. Because we are not their Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, they have their own. They have their own Holy Spirit, and we do not have to be it. So don't overwhelm him. And maybe you pick one thing. Like, you know, I would love to this year work on having a family night. You know, if they're maybe a little bit bigger. Or, you know, this year, why don't we work on trying to pray together or whatever. But you know that list is long of all the things you want to you hear these speakers. Let them lead and pray together and do a Bible. It can be overwhelming to them. And you're hearing all these speakers. They aren't. So they're just thinking, I've got to provide and I've got to be nice. I mean, you know, so don't overwhelm them. But encourage them. But just, but not, but just don't overwhelm them. Let him lead. And sometimes this is hard because y'all, a lot of y'all are probably leaders, and you think, I can really do this probably better. And, and maybe you can, but that's not really the point. The Bible's very clear about letting him lead. And um, one time I, had a, I was, had a school job, and the headmaster told me, I am the only bus driver. And, and, and you know, he, you can't have two bus drivers on one bus. There's one, and your husband is the leader. And it may not always be the way you would do it. And that's where we, that's where we kind of don't, isn't that where we run into the troubles? Where it's like, I really don't like the way you loaded the dishwasher. Well, you know what? Be glad he loaded it. <laughs> One time I remember, I was, I can't remember where I was because I wasn't away from mine a whole lot. But I must have been away on a retreat or something. And my daughter had some random outfit on at church. And um, this is back when we went to church where people dressed up. And a friend of mine was like, uh, is your wife out of town? But, uh, but, you know, just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let him, let him lead and let him 
help, and it may not be exactly the way you want it, and that's okay. Just be thankful and let him lead. Another thing that I think is really important, this is harder for some than others, but is to honor your in-laws. I mean, these are his parents. You know how much you love that little boy of yours? You are going to be someone's mother-in-law. I mean, he's, you know, you're going to be a mother-in-law one day, and you want your daughter-in-law to love you. So love your, love your in-laws as well as you can. I know some of them are more difficult than others. Mine, you know, sometimes would really drive me crazy. But they're gone now, and I just i am thankful for the things I did right but wish I could have done some things better. And one time I did. I wrote him a letter and just said how thankful I was for the way that they raised him. They raised him to love people and to respect people and to have good character. And, I, you know, that went a long way because no matter if they drive you crazy, they've done something right to raise the man that you love. And so just to honor your in-laws. And remember that there's not a whole lot of other people probably getting in line to watch your children or to love your children or to do things with your children. And so the in-laws love your kids like you do. And um, so just embrace that and find the common ground that you can with them. Um, There's my dad. He passed away two years ago. But I'm so thankful for the time that we had with him. And he, my husband, you know, embraced him living in, a, in our back house for 13 years. And so I'm so thankful for that. And I just encourage you to, you know, let that generation be a part of your children's lives. Okay, another important thing is to not keep tally marks. I mean, if you want to say who wins and loses, you win. You will clean up the most poop. You will clean up the most spills. You win. You will change more diapers, and you will watch them hour by hour more than them. So, um, you know, just don't keep tally marks. It's not healthy. So you have different roles. One is not more important than the other, like Todd was saying just the other day. But it's not a rank, but it's a role. And um, right now your main role may be or is is these children. Um, And just, again, remember that he cannot fully understand the role of mother and the things that go along with that, the stresses and the the pressure and the things you're concerned about and the anxieties, but you can't understand his, um, his pressure and uh, the, the stress he may feel for providing for a family. And so um, another thing that is very important is not to talk badly about him to other people because um, that doesn't honor him at all. If you have one close friend that, that you can say, I feel so frustrated right now, you know I love him, but here's what I feel frustrated about, but that's not a whole big group. It's not joking or teasing him in public it's just maybe one confidant that you can say I feel frustrated and that confidant will always bring you back to loving them and um, so you need to choose wisely Um, just remember also that each of you need time alone and you each and you also need time together so those are just two important things okay as we move on to children I might be zooming through because I'm kind of nervous but I guess I'm okay okay um In the Bible study, Wednesday morning, the next week, we're going to be studying uh, career versus calling. And I hope that each of you feel a true calling as a mom. It's not just a job. It's just a phase or a season. It's such a calling. And I think what you do is the most important job out there, and I really mean that with a passion. And um, it's such a privilege to be a mom, to raise the next generation. I mean, there's no impact that you can make in any other area of your life as much as raising a child to grow up to love and serve the Lord. Um, I do believe that truly is the most important job there is. The important thing to remember is that the paycheck is much later. And so there are those days that feel very frustrating, but 
the job is no less important because you're not receiving a uh, monetary paycheck. And I want, uh, well, the scripture that goes along with this is Psalm 127.13. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from them. And I think we so need to remember they are a gift. They are a gift from the Lord, and not just the being of them, but the gift of being with them. Not just the person, but the being with them. Some of my favorite times are with my kids when we laugh or we sing or we, you know, they're some of my favorite people. And... um they're such, they're such a gift. And I just heard a wise friend once say, this was literally, I think, about 17 years ago, and I still remember it. She said, and I remember exactly where we were at a Bible study, and she said, well, may we never treat our children or view them as an inconvenience. I was so convicted because I'm thinking, I was thinking, get out of my way. I've got to do this Bible study. Get out of my way. I'm, no, no, it's about them. This season is anyway. And so... Um, just that they are a gift, and they are fun little guys and girls that are to be cherished. And that doesn't mean you don't need to be away from them, or that doesn't mean you don't need your sleep, or it doesn't mean there won't be days that are frustrating. But when you stand back and have that perspective and get that attitude, maybe through prayer and other people encouraging you, then you can enjoy the season a whole lot more. Another thing to remember is that you will answer before the Lord and not anyone else. So if you know, all your friends are signing up to do some, you know, some distraction, you're going to be the one answering to the Lord for your children. Not, well, everybody was signing up. For... No, you are responsible. And um, sometimes that means going counterculturally. And that means, you know, we're not going to watch this. We're not going to listen to this or whatever. And, um, but you're the one that answers. So you need to take that charge um, seriously. I love this because I think, I think to myself, who gives the best parenting advice? And I thought about this and I thought, you know, is it speakers? Is it somebody on the radio, a Christian speaker, a, a pastor? Is it a book? And then I realized, no, you know who has the most parenting advice are the people without children. <laughs> and I, I watch my niece, who I dearly love, but she has more advice. She's pregnant without any children. She has more advice than anyone. And, uh, but I just caution you to beware. Beware, beware, because just when you say, this, I will never blah, 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 guess what? Okay? So... We'll get to that a little bit more. But um, let's see. There they are. And more recently, we got big. We all got big. And I, I blinked, right? Okay. Know your child. I think this is so important because I have three children. Two of them are similar, but one of them is, is different. And they're all created in God's image, and they're all wonderful. And I so love and appreciate each one of them. But I think that's important for you to remember because um, I remember my, um, my oldest one. Well, let's just let's talk about, okay, that, I'm going to come back to that. Oh, uh, what am I, I'm, I'm going to come back. Okay, love languages. Wait, here's where I really want to start. Personality styles. Oh, it's not on there. Okay, here we go. Okay, there's four personality styles. Oh, that calls for a door prize. Drum roll. Okay, there's a great book. Well, let me pull, pull the name. Get your drum rolling. Um, Stephanie Roberts. Okay. There's a great book, and it's called The Treasure Tree. Have you all heard of it? It's a great children's book, and it talks about the four different personality styles. You're going to love it. You're going to want to share it. Um, but the, there's four personality styles, and the book goes through it where they solve kind of a mystery, and all the different personality styles help to solve the mystery. And so, um, but one of the, one of the, one personality style is, choleric 
and that is in the book. It's called The Lion, and they are the take-charge, assertive, purposeful, adventurous, leader, goal-driven, competitive, and determined. And I have one child that's this and something else. But you need to know the personality style of your child because next week when you hear the Keglers, they're like discipline gurus. But I think taking into account the personality style really helps. Um, so that, that's the first personality style. And the second one is melancholy. This is more the thinker. The thinker. In the book, it's the beaver. They are deliberate, controlled, detailed, orderly, practical, analytical, persistent, and reserved. They're, they're much more detail-oriented, maybe have a perfectionistic tendency, but there's a very different, they're very, it's a very different style than the others. And, they, and you could probably Google this and get all kinds of tests and stuff you could take. I think this is important for you to know your children and your husband. I mean, everybody, because it, it matters how you interact. The third personality style is sanguine, and that is the otter in the book. And they are a motivator, energetic, take risks, avoid details, very much so, creative. They enjoy change, fun-loving, and group-oriented. I have two of these, and I have one of these. So when I say, grab your, sho- or, you know, grab your shoes, we're going somewhere, two of them are out the door. This is when they were little. Two of them are out the, uh, the door, and the other one is like, wait a minute, where are we going? When will we be back? Why do I need shoes? You know, just... And so, but when I finally learned to embrace that, then I can appreciate that, you know. And um, the other two were already in the car. So, and then the last personality style is phlegmatic, and that's the golden retriever, the loyal one, even-keeled, avoids conflict, dislikes change, tolerant, thoughtful, non-demanding, and sympathetic. And this is more the, just the easygoing kind of guy. And bless you if you have one of those. So those are the four personality styles. I think it's really, really important for you to know what your child and your husband are and what you are, and that's going to matter how you interact with people and how you treat them. When Ty, my melancholy, was little, I remember we were at the... Do I have a question? Yes, at the very, very back. But it also, it's, I mean, it's all over. Google it and those, I mean, and I think you have a handout, but, but um, is it not in there? I think you do. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's good stuff, honestly, because... I think it's really important to embrace it because I can so appreciate the child that's not like me because I know he's like that instead of just being like, come on, get your shoes. You know, I mean, just, and, and I know that if we're going to do something spontaneous, I need to give him the heads up more, uh, but, 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 but also because of that, he's brilliant and he's a thinker and he, I mean, he's got charm that the other two don't have in a way. So there's, there's they all have positives and they all have negatives. Every one of these character, character styles our personality styles has drawbacks. But I remember one time at the park, Ty was, we were, we were playing at the park, and they were little, and somebody invited him over afterwards. You know, would Ty, does Ty have plans? Would he want to come over? Oh, yeah, I'm sure he'd want to come over. I'm thinking, right, I'm going to get a nap or, you know, whatever. So then I'm like, you know, so-and-so invited you. I don't want to go. I'm like, what? What? Because my older child, he would have gone with anyone anywhere. And he really didn't want to go, and he's still like that. I still have to say, do you want to, you know, everybody's spending the night at the boy's house after homecoming. Do you want to stay? No, I don't. Every other child is staying. Do you want to stay? No, I don't. So to listen to that child and to honor their personality that the way God made them because everybody's a little bit different. And with my older one being like, I'll go anywhere with anybody, I was like, you what? You don't want to go with them. What am I going to say? So then it goes back to me. <laughs> what am I going to tell this mom? I already told her we don't have plans. So I had to say, you know what? She doesn't want to come. Or, you know, just as nicely as I could. But, um Know their personality styles and honor their personality styles because um, you'll just, I think you'll be a better mom when you know that. Okay.
back to love languages. And again, I love this also. There's a whole book on it. Drum roll, please. Okay. Um, Chris Mundy. Okay. I love this book. It is a, a love language book by Gary Chapman. And um, there's basically, they say, five love languages that you give and receive. And I think it's important to know what your child's are and what your husband's are because then you're going to be more willing to meet those needs. One of them is words of affirmation, and that's going to be, you did a great job. Thank you so much. That meant so much to me. Um, you are, you know, wonderful. You're great. You're, in, you know, you're such a good at coloring, and you are, wow, I can't believe how you climbed up that ladder to the slide or whatever it is. Words of affirmation. Some people, theirs is quality time, and that's pretty much one-on-one, really interactive time. It could be reading to them. It could be, you know, coloring with them or whatever. Um, receiving gifts, and that is like I have a surprise for you. You know, maybe it's from the dollar store or whatever, but quality gifts. Another one is, is acts of service, and that is doing something for them. You know what? I'm going to make up your bed for you today, even though I know you can. And, and, and to this particular child, that means really something to them. And then physical touch is another one. And so I think that, um, you know, that may be the one that wants their back rubbed or wants, their, wants to be patted or whatever. And so I think knowing those for you and your husband and your children is really important so that you can – I have one child that truly acts of service, you know, if he would say, like the one home sick, would you get me – he wants his laptop, he wants his phone, he wants his covers and, his, and medicine. You know, it's important to, to serve him because that's what's important to him, whereas another child it might be more important – to uh, spend time with them. Would you, you know, play a game with me or what, you know, whatever. So just knowing what their, acts, whatever their love language is will help you serve them in a way that is meaningful to them. And that, I guess that's what we're getting at, is just to know your child. And so that's where I had these lovely, darling pictures. And there's my little girl. And she is very much, um, she probably is physical touch. She's actually all of them. Let's just, I know that's impossible, but really, she loves it all. Um, and then this one the weapons boy, he is, um, he's probably words of encouragement. I think that probably means the most to him. And then, and you can see they're just their, you know, personality styles. I let them pick whatever they wanted to wear one time for a picture, except, and I just thought that was so fun. And, uh, and the, the older one in the basketball, Carter, this again goes with knowing your child. He, he loves to play. He's still in college and everything has to be fun. And so when he had to do schoolwork, I had to make his work into play. So when we did phonograms, I would throw the ball, and then he would throw it back, and then I would give him another one, or a vocab or spelling or whatever. And then, so he had, I had to make his work play. Okay, you've got to make up your bed. Ready, go. You know, you have 30 seconds. Let's see if you can do it. So I had to make everything he did into his play, or his work, I had to make it into play. Still, still, he's still like that, believe me. And then the other one, he's the working man, <laughs> as we called him, Ty. And every, I mean, his play was work. He would dig a hole, you know. He's the melancholy. He would dig a hole. He would, you know, he would, uh, he had this little big jake, and he would drive it around and build things, and he wanted cement all the time. And he was just, his play was work. And so, um, and then Addie, she just loves to dance. In fact, when she was little, like one, we had that, um, I think it was Michael W. Smith song where, starts out with the reindeer sound, and whenever she would hear that song, she would run around the coffee table, like from when she was one on. She still loves to dance. But know your children. You'll be a better mom if you know your kids and appreciate the qualities that God has made them, how, he's, how he has so intricately designed them, 
and you'll be a better mom if you listen to that. Listen to that. And then I think birth order is also important because my sister is what she would call the victim of being a middle child. So I've been very important. I've been very intentional to make sure that that my middle child doesn't feel like a middle child because I do think sometimes it would be easy to have happen. You've got the oldest one who's demanding attention. You've got the baby who's so cute, and you don't want that middle one to be lost. Okay. All right. So as we go on in our parenting, um, I would say never say never because, you know what, that can just actually sum it up. Or never say I'll always either because that just that just opens the door for something to happen. Um, and some things that I probably said I'll never this were wearing the costume to the store. I used to see a friend and her son always had his cowboy boots on the wrong foot. And I was just like, what is with that? Just change them. But, but, you know, I just, I will never let my child wear their boots on the wrong foot. Who cares, really? You know, they, he's learned to do it right in the meantime. Um, never let them eat food at the store before you pay for it. Just crazy things. But these were things that I all had in my head. Do not eat directly off the tray at Luby's. Never, ever wear an unmatching outfit. I mean, your children, don't let them wear some random thing. Uh, never use a pacifier past a certain age. Never, ever sleep in your bed or your room. Um, the list goes on and on. So just watch it with the nevers because you will soon be the victim of saying that. And I love the verse from Ecclesiastes. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. I think that's important to remember. All right. We also want to remember, remember to whom they belong. You know, this is so hard. It's so hard for me. Because we need to remember these are the Lord's. And I can remember when I was pregnant with my first. And I was just, Lord, just please let them come out healthy and safe. And then they got out and then I'm like, okay, that's so great. But now, do, I, do they sleep on their side or on their stomach or on their back? You know, if they're going to be on their back, they might spit up. If they're on their stomach, they might have to get sit. You know, it, it just, I, you can worry. And, and the list goes on. And now, today, I'm worried because he's pledging a fraternity. I mean, the list goes on and on. You can be worried about stranger danger. And what age do they get to go in the boys' bathroom by themselves? And uh, what kind of school do they go to? And, uh, you know, now the car seat thing is, now they use them until they're like 20. But, you know, I mean, just, you know, I mean, you can worry yourself to death, but you have got to remember to whom they belong. And I'm preaching to myself now, too. And that's where the prayer comes back in because we have... You know, I'm so thankful that when I wor- start to worry, I start to go down that road, Lord, they're yours, and I pray for their safety, and I pray for their protection, and I thank you for giving them to me, and I thank you that I have, I didn't even think I had the ability to love the way I love my kids. I didn't even think I was, I was, had that capability in my body, but God gave me these kids that I just so adore. So you need to shed the worry of what others are thinking, and just pray and remember to whom they belong. Um, also, remember that you can't teach them every single thing they need to know. And so the other night, this is like a month ago, all of a sudden I woke up in the middle of the night and Carter, the one at college, they were going to spend the night on a houseboat on a lake. And like I wake up and it's thundering and lightning. Did I ever tell him that you shouldn't be on a houseboat in a, in a, in a storm? Thought, you know, at some point you have to realize you can't teach them every single thing they need to know. At some point you have to let the Lord... Go, I'm going to cover that for you, even though you might not have ever exactly said, don't sleep on a houseboat. <laughs> okay, it's so important. You need other moms. You need other community 
And it is so great to be able to get insight from others. And I've got some good verses here. Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Proverbs 20.18, make plans by seeking advice. If, if you war, wage war, obtain guidance. I just thought that was funny, especially when I think about two-year-olds. If you wage war, obtain guidance. And Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And it goes on from there. So everyone is, you know, has different children with different personalities. You have different husbands. You have different circumstances. Um, so it is important to have other people in the same stage of life, but no one is going to be exactly the way you are. They're not going to run their family exactly the way you do, and you don't have to parent exactly the same to be friends. You, you, know, you may have different priorities and different, but generally biblical issues, you, all should, be, you, know, you should be on the same page. Um, and do remember that biblical advice is not the same as critical advice. So if you're telling somebody, you just let them cry in their bed all night long, you know what, just, that's, not, that's not in the Bible. You know, maybe that worked for you, but don't, you know, don't be judgmental. So that was the next thing is that you don't need, you do need good friends, you don't need critical judgmental friends. And I remember I had one, a person I just love and adore, but I had to kind of go a different direction because she would, I mean, no matter what we, if our family, just, where we decided to move or where we, what decided what school, it's like, well, why, you know, she just was, very critical, and these were not biblical issues, and it wasn't, you know, you're about to have an affair, you need to stop. It was like, well, why are you going to go to that neighborhood? You know, it's like, that's not really probably what you need. So you don't need judgmental, critical friends. Back to the, you do need friends, and you do need to do fun things, and I think that helps you enjoy the stage of life. And so, um, I can remember Holly and I, we would load them up in the baskets at Target, and this would be like a play day, and we would walk through Target. They would eat popcorn, and we had a great time. And the kids played in the basket, and I mean, it's like we had adult communication, and it was very fun. I also was in, in a group where we would, in the summer, we would plan field trips, and it was great. You just bring your kids, and it might be a park, or it might be, you know, visiting something and taking a tour, but it was fun, and it's fun to be with people in your stage of life. Um, but you don't need the judgmental, critical ones. And um, one time we were at the, at the public pool, and there was a mom there. She had it all together, and apparently still does, but she... I remember her saying to us, and we just were like, what? I only let my kids watch VeggieTales, and only when they are sick. We're like, well, you win. You are the winner. You, we are bad, and you are good, and you win. So just remember Matthew 7, 1, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Just a good, good little tip. There's the passy that he did have till he's three, and he is just fine right now. Um, and he's got a screwdriver or something. All right, there's back to the, just the personality styles, and we got the gun. They love, they love the weapons, Davy Crockett. Okay, above all, and, I've, you know, we've, we've stayed on the lighter side, and I love being with my kids, and I, they are enjoyable, but you cannot have fun with them until they obey. And so that, I mean, you, you can't take a child that you don't trust to obey anywhere, right? <laughs> and not that we're all going to have those days at a restaurant or at the mall or whatever when they have a meltdown, and you might too, but um, you, they've got to, you, they've got, you got to get the obedience thing down. And the Keglers are going to be great for talking to you about that. But you really can't enjoy them. You can't appreciate the preciousness of who they are until you have, until you have a general sense that they know who's in charge, and you, I just don't think you can enjoy them till, till they can obey. Um, Ephesians 6, one: children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life. So 
really every child responds differently to discipline, and that's not – I was able to figure it out with each child. But it, I also would just encourage you that not to just get a blanket system. Every child may be a little different, but you can't, you can't have fun with them. You can't enjoy them. You can't have the right attitude, perspective, focus. None of that matters if, they're, if, you, if you don't get that part down first. Um, and some kids respond to, you know, positive, like we're going to have a chart with stars. I was always a failure at that. I'd go hear a speaker, and I'd make the chart, and like three days later, we couldn't even find it. Um, and then there's charts for negative, like a sad face or, you know, three strikes and you're out type of thing. There's if-then charts, you know, if you do this, then this will happen. We did those. You know, if you speak with ugly words, then you get your mouth washed up, or you're going to get a thinking, or you're going to be isolated. I mean, every kid's different. Some kids work, I think, better with isolation. Some work better with, you know, a spanking. Some work better with the chart or the just figure it out, whatever it is. Um, and there's all kinds of wonderful information out there, but I would just encourage you to, you know, figure it out because it's not going anywhere. Um, and then I can remember one time being at, being at Chuck E. Cheese with a friend from college, and Carter was running around crazy, and I was still working on figuring all this stuff out. And, I mean, I bet, I bet everyone in the, re, in the restaurant knew what his name was because I was chasing him or doing this. Or, and now I look back and I think, well, what could he have done wrong at Chuck E. Cheese? But I remember feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And I had this friend of mine, and she was, we sat down to eat, and her daughter, I don't know what she did, something tiny, minor, and she said to her, Alyssa? And the kids, like, her lips started to quiver, and she, I mean, that was it. And I was thinking, are you kidding me? I mean, I've been, you know, so, so also don't be judgmental when it comes to, and not every child is as easy to discipline as others, I guess is what I'm saying. Another important thing, look how cute they are. Um, we're not quite there yet. Train strong habits in your kids, okay? This is the time. They're ripe for training good habits. They, we want them to become second nature, tr- going to church. Um, we pray before meals. We wash our hands. Whatever it is, you know, read to them. This is the time to instill those habits that you find important because it's hard to, you know, train habits when they're bigger. So, you know, when they're, t- you know, 25 at their wedding shower, you don't want them to say, now what do you say? We say thank you. You know, so train those habits when they're little. And remember that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. So if whatever discipline method you're using or habit-forming things you're using, if it's not working, then you better maybe think about trying something else. Um, words are powerful. And I love this scripture from James. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it talks about when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And just how powerful the tongue is. The verse about... Um, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Our tongue can be so, such a strong tool. And they can, use, they can be used to build our children up or it can be used to tear them down in just an instant. So just you have got to be so careful with your words. And um, don't make idle threats. I used to remember my sister would be like, if you don't do that, you will never come back to the swimming pool again. You know, that's unlikely, really. Or the, the the nevers and the always and the, you know just give them a give them a consequence that you will follow through with because otherwise it's an idle threat. Um, the if then charts are good because they do t- it takes the pressure off of you deciding what do I do now. But if you did this then this happens and it's already set. And um, so I think that's that's a good thing. Um, I love this. Not the place. Not the time. I mean, that's so important. It's not that you can't ever run and shout. It's just you don't do it at the wedding, right, the wedding reception. So I love that. <clears throat> um, 
these are just a couple little tips. There he, there he is. I mean, you know, and that might not have gotten to go to the grocery store, but generally just embrace, embrace that cuteness because now he doesn't do that anymore. Okay, this is really, really important. You know what, did I put on there the interrupt rule? I love this. And these are Ezo stuff, which kind of gone out, but there's a couple good things that I got from that, and that was the not the place, not the time, the interrupt rule. If you have a little one, now they have to be probably at least three, but they just come and they put their hand on your shoulder, and that means I got something to say, but, but they know not to interrupt you, so if you're on the phone or you're whatever. And that's really important, so they're not mommy, 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 mommy. Um, I love that one. And then also just teaching them about the preciousness of others, and that is we put the grocery cart back. Why? Because... Um, now, maybe not, if, you know, I don't know. Generally, that would be that you would do that. Or you don't, we don't throw trash out the window because we're thinking about other people. Somebody else would have to come along. So just training them to consider the preciousness of others. Um, and then the frenzy. I'm hoping this is going to be a movie clip. Watch this. This is Beware of the Frenzy, when you get nervous about what others are doing. What about uh, a week from Wednesday for Junior Symphony? No, 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 Nicole has drama on Wednesdays. Uh, Bandscap is playgroup in French on Monday, Jimboree on Tuesday, computer readiness on Thursday. What about Friday? After violin, but before his shrink. Perfect. Cause we go play in the sandbox. It's here. Hey. What is wrong with you? You look awful. We heard from Dalton. Crosby didn't get in. Oh, no. no. If she doesn't get into the right preschool, she's not going to get into the right kindergarten. If she doesn't get into the right kindergarten, I can forget about a good prep school and any hope of an Ivy League college. Honey, that is so devastating. I just don't understand it. Her resume was perfect. Her references were impeccable. Dennis is going to kill me. Excuse me. Um, I heard you talking about preschools, and I was just wondering, what age do they actually start? I, I, I forget. Well, it depends. Two and a half, three. Oh, yeah, and are the good schools, are they hard to get into? <laughs> hard? <laughs> are you kidding? I've had Alexis registered at the preschool for performing arts since birth. He's already on the waiting list for Dalton. So if we're not on the waiting list or something by now, and it's like... You, you can forget about it, honey. Mom? Hi, honey. Isn't the sky look just like Cesar's Bay of Marseille? Gee, it does. Oh, Ben, that is a terrific observation. Go play, honey. You, they teach Suzanne in preschool? Well, no, actually, Ben is a graduate of the center. Oh, that's an idea for you. Really? The center? Now, what is that? It's a week-long, intensive training program that literally teaches you how to multiply your child's intelligence. When we first went there, Ben, he could barely speak. By the time we left, he was reciting the raven. What kind of classes do you have your daughter in now? Oh, none. Not even a mommy and me. No, not Jimboree. Not reading readiness? Nothing. Child can't even hold a cup. Ooh, the other babies are way ahead of her. I thought I had problems. <laughs> Welcome to the center for brighter babies. The point here, mums and dads, is to teach your children the facts of life. Everything they see and hear can be stored and utilized. Please allow no more than one second per information card. You may begin.
President Kennedy. Doorknob. BMW. Whoopi Goldberg. Look, I like for me. The frenzy. And this is a Carter, who was three when he wasn't quite four when he was playing his first soccer league. And I'd like to tell you that he is a professional soccer player, but he's not. He, you know, he quit when like in the fifth grade. It didn't matter a single bit. So don't do that to yourselves, okay? Okay. Um, I would like to move on to home management. I'm going to zoom through this because I'd love to start have time for questions. But um, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down. And I would just like to say that your house does not define you. It may be a reflection of you and your gifts and talents and your interests, but um, it's not, it doesn't define who you are. But I would say that orderliness will, do, will serve you well. And, um, you know, not trying to be like uh, Martha Stewart, but you won't be losing things. You won't be buying things you already have. You won't be embarrassed when somebody comes over and says, do you have any scotch tape? And you have no idea where it is. So, you know, having a system will help you. Um, and again, attitude is so important in the, in the household management thing. It's not a biblical issue, but you, you are the joyful pulse of your house, or you are the pulse. I hope it's joyful. Um, there's no biblical way to do laundry. There's no biblical way to fix a meal. But there is a biblical way to not do it, and that is with the Scripture, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. So um, also Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Okay, so that, you know, folding laundry. You know, if you think about it, David, he was out tending sheep when God called him. So it's the everyday parts of life that that you can still have a very godly, joyful attitude for your family. And then uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that you can warn the respect of others. You know, some things... In household management, they won't go away. And so that's the main reason I would encourage you to get a system and figure it out because you probably will be the most, you will probably be the food provider person in your family. You probably won't get out of that role. So you might as well figure it out. And, you know, is it a co op? Is it you make meals once a week? Is it you shop once a week? Is it you do a calendar for a whole month? I mean, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's important that you figure out something because you're not getting out of that role. I mean, I, somehow I would think, Someone else is going to swoop in and do this. It's not going to happen. So these are areas that you just need to figure out. Laundry, same thing. There's not a godly, biblical way to do laundry except for not grumbling about it. But, you know, there's all different kinds of systems. But laundry is going nowhere. You are probably going to be the person doing your laundry. So figure it out. One load a day, do a person a day, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just that you would have a system. Um, paperwork, same thing. I mean, medical, your children, children's immunizations, uh, their artwork. I mean, are you going to save every tape? I mean, figure it out. Whatever it is, I could do a whole other talk on organization. But just figure it out on what that looks like. There's not a right or wrong way, but just you're, it's not going away either. Same thing with cleaning. Also, photo management. I mean, I so encourage you to take pictures of those cute little baby feet and hands and faces. And But do you develop them? Do you scrap them? You know, whatever. Just figure it out and, and have some sort of a system. Um, Christmas is the same day every year. So... Don't be surprised at the December 25th thing. And on the 23rd, be going crazy. It's coming. It's coming. I've ordered my Christmas cards. It's coming. So you'll make yourself crazy. You won't be focusing on Christ if you are all of a sudden trying to get everything done in 10 days. Okay? So enjoy the season. Enjoy being with your children. Enjoy telling them about 
the birth of Christ. And the, probably the only way to do that is to start early and be prepared. Um, other things like having first aid supplies, um, having a, a system for how you get those library books back and where you put them so that you're not going crazy looking under every bed when it's due, you know, things like that. Just having some sort of system in your household to manage your stuff and your clutter and, um, you know, having the Mother's Day Out bag or the church bag, and then when they're bigger, it's the ballet that bag and the soccer bag. But just, you know, having, those, having some sort of system, in, and there, it's, not, it's not godly, it's not biblical, but it just it helps you because you're going to be the one ultimately responsible for it. Um, but I would just like to tell you that none of this, any of this matters if you don't know Christ. You know, if you don't know that he came to take your punishment on the cross for what for every every one of us. I don't think when I, I became a believer when I was 16, and um, the thing that actually drew me to the Lord was because I heard through Young Life like you know do you kill? No, I don't really kill. I don't steal. I honor my parents. I didn't really think that I was a sinner until they said, "Are you ever late? Do you steal people's time?" And it, it opened the little crack in the door to make me see what a sin, sinner that I am. And now that I walk with Christ, hopefully closely, I realize what a wretched sinner I am. But at the beginning, it just took a little step. But if, you know, he paid the price for my sin and, um, and whatever that looks like. But none of this parenting, none of the household management, your marriage, none of that matters if you don't know Christ. And any of us on the leadership team would love to talk to you about that if that is something that you, that you just have questions about. Okay, some things that I should have lightened up about. Am I done? Um, is my possessions in my house. I should have lightened up about worrying about what people thought about me. I should have um, not so worried so much about my kids and their friendships when they're three. How many of you have friends from when you were three, right? Okay, so just, um, but things that I'm so glad that I did, I'm so glad I spent time with each of them individually. Sometimes I'd be so tired, but we always kind of had the, had the deal where we would go in, each of us separately, and say goodnight and spend a few minutes with them and pray with them and pat them and sing to them and... <laughs> And I'm so glad I did, though, because when they get bigger, they might not want that. And, um, and so just to have that time and also to pray with them. And also, you know, if you think about, if you just took your voice and recorded it, what you say to maybe a two-year-old all day long, no, don't, come on, get your shoes. You know, if that's all they're hearing from you, so that time at night is a time to, you know, let them see your tender side and pray with them um, as they go to bed. And I know they may scream when you leave the room. I realize that. But you can still have that time with them and um, but anyway, you need to encourage, I encourage you to, to work on the obedience thing before anything else. Another thing that I was so glad I did was um, big birthdays. You know, really, they're going to, you're, you're not even guaranteed, but you, they're going to grow up and move off. And, big, you know, you may have 18 birthdays. You may have more. But generally, to really, you get to be the one in charge. It's fun to have big birthdays when they're little or all the way up. Also, holidays, traditions, whether it be baking cookies or, you know, the Christmas story or, serving somebody or whatever. Just, you know, holiday traditions are fun. Um, field trips, I love doing field trips with my three kids. Just, you know, we, the three of us would head out to some random pool in, you know, Hearst, Euless, Bedford. You know, just something to try something new, just, just for fun. Um, I'm a big believer in nap times and bedtimes and those rituals that go with them. And um, uh, I also made, a, this was an idea from Debbie Smith, but, I one a couple of different summers I got a Bible with wide margins and I did I read through the New Testament just on my own and I wrote each a Bible for each child. And so I just wrote in the margin, you know, Ty, I pray that you would, you know, um, 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is that. You know, I took that scripture and prayed that prayer for him and wrote in the book. So each one of them have a little Bible with, um, you know, with a, with, it's got a big old margin. And so when I'm gone, they'll have my words and my prayers for them. Another thing that I um, did was I made this little book. And I just did this recently, but I came up with various character and quality things that I wanted them to know. Like I thought, if I dropped over dead, would they know how important I think it is to be other-centered? So under O, I have different other um, others, observing, obedience, obligations. You know, N is noble, never say never. You know, things like that. My, what, what, pa- what passionate things do I want them to know? Maybe that yours are too little, but, you know, have I lived this life that they can see these things in me? And have I lived authentically? I just want to make sure. So I did this little book and I just wrote out different just different things I want to make sure they know what mattered to me hopefully I'm living it every day and then the other thing that I love that I love it actually was more for me but I think they'll enjoy it one day as I just was trying as I was trying to work on learning scripture I started to um, just with colored pencils illustrate the scripture and um, so when Carter went to Missouri for one semester I did his favorite verse at the time was Romans 12 about don't be conformed to the world and I did the Mizzou, the Mizzou Tiger, you know, just, and it reminds me of that horrible ride back after dropping him off, but just, you know, different, I just kind of illustrated different scriptures to help me learn it, and um, I got the idea from a, from a psalm book that I just, I just love that idea, and I think it could be a treasure for your kids. Um, another thing that I'm really glad I did was just take a lot of pictures, because the, their hands and feet aren't those little chubby things anymore, and they're just so, they're just, you know, you can only capture that time. You saw a bunch of pictures that I had of them at various stages. I'm so thankful. They're all big now. Um, but I would just say that if you, you know, the one thing that you can control is your attitude. And I would just encourage you to pray about that. You, you can't be perfect all the time. But just, you know, embrace this stage. Enjoy it. Enjoy these funny little people and laugh at their joke for the 25th time. And I don't know if y'all are Taylor Swift fans, but my daughter is. And there's a song that... Is, it's actually a, a video, like a music video, but the song talks about, I had the best day with you today. Y'all know that song? She's talking about her mom. It's a music video. You could Google it, and I'm going to play it when we finish here, but um, <clears throat> you can roam about. You don't have to stop. But, but it talks about, she's talking about her mom. Like, she had the best day, and it shows her when she's little. She's in a stroller, and then she's like 13, and everybody was mean to her. But she's talking about her mom, and I want my kids to say to me, and I had the best day with you today. And I just encourage you to embrace that. So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for being a mom. And I thank you for my children. I thank you for these ladies. And um, I just pray that uh, you would just encourage each of us to be the best moms and wives that we can be. And just give us a passion for this stage of life, whatever it is that we're in, that we would be just glorify you in everything that we do and say and think. Thank you for each person here. And I just pray that we'd go out with a calling and that they would feel um, just that they would feel privileged to be a mom and that they would realize the, just the important job that it is. And thank you for giving us this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.